Big Little Lies Season 2, Episode 6, The Bad Mother is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Emily Fox, and we're the two people who are going to be shutting up about Big Little Lies forever pretty soon. I know. It's almost over. The penultimate episode. Um, Emily, I almost started this podcast off by making a joke about my diary, but I felt like... (laughs) I felt like that was like a little too pointed. Uh, and, and even saying the word pointed in relation to my diary feels rather pointed as Should well. Should I have said this was the penultimate The episode? penultimate. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you just did. Oh man. All I right. I mean, diaries in the context of this episode are a little dicey. A little awkward. We should talk about that We later. will talk about that, of Ugh. course. All or maybe sorts not. Of, I don't know. No, we have to. We have to cover it all. All sorts of verbal diary uh, happening here on the wow. Big Little Lies podcast as we are, I'm married we, to this. We are, <laughs> we are getting close. You're very lucky. I'm a, I'm a prize. I am lucky. I'm a prize. I'm no uh, Gordon, whatever the crap his name is, but uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Nordling. I love the actor, but man, that character is the, the garbage person. There are many garbage people in the realm of uh, Big Little Lies, but he, he is among them. We are talking about episode six of season two, The Bad Mother. We're talking about some other things in the Big Little Lies universe as well this week, but we are getting very close to the finish line here, Emily Fox, uh, as Wig Little Lies is <laughs> looking down the barrel of uh, of closing out. We've got the finale podcast that's going to be coming next week. Uh, after that, we're going to do a feedback show uh, the, the week following the finale so that we can just kind of do one last look back at Big Little Lies and then Emily, we're gonna have to we're gonna set our sights on on what's coming next. What will succeed our big little lies coverage? What a smooth as it were. transition! How about that, it's almost like I do this for a living. I know you're um, such a profesh. Soup's profesh, uh, as we say. Uh, we profesh people say uh, we would love your feedback along the way. Here we've got some good ones to to get through as we get deeper into the podcast. Postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form, or you can hit us up on Twitter at postshowrecaps is our Twitter account. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. I've said it. Uh, Emily, how about yourself? I'm that Emilet, like an omelet, but with an e. So we want to hear your tweets. We want to hear what you're thinking of Big Little Lies as we're going along. You can also subscribe to our uh, show, our Big Little Lies show only feed at postshowrecaps.com slash Big Little Lies uh, or however you want to subscribe to your to, you know your podcast listening platform of choice uh, to the main Post Show Recaps feed to make sure that you're not missing anything else that's going on. We're in Stranger Things finale week for Mike Bloom and I, even though Stranger Things debuted long ago at this point. Uh, <laughs> but we are we are getting close to the end of our Stranger Things coverage over there as well. So uh, if you if you haven't checked that out yet, I highly recommend you do. It's a very weird, very fun uh, podcast that we have done. Um, Emily Fox, a big little scandal in the in the world of Big Little Lies. I mean, Before we even get one? into the episode. Oh, okay. Before we even get into the episode. So real life. I think real life. Yeah. First, let's, I mean, let's I'm, break this down. Well, I guess before we go into 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 real life, do you have just like some like big thoughts that you want to talk about with the penultimate before we get into any of this stuff? It was very dramatic. Hyper dramatic. A very <laughs> dramatic episode of Big Little Lies. You like shut the TV off immediately after the final scene. I started laughing a little bit. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't know if uh, if I've been incepted by Mike Bloom or if I'm or or what you know with his his comment from a couple weeks ago about how the show is yeah, feeling really a little stuck in your craw. a little cartoony. Uh, but it, like it was starting to develop over the past couple of weeks, and this episode was just very uh, outlandish in in points. So uh, we'll talk about all of that, I'm sure. But I think that we could talk about some of the you know, and and I saw a lot of feedback from a lot of different people who were feeling like something felt like a little off about this episode. Uh, people who have been sensing that maybe something feels like a little bit off about Big Little Lies generally this season. Oh, by the fact that there's not a book to accompany it? <laughs> maybe that's part of it. Could be part of it. Feels a little off Could based on the fact it. that it's scripted, you know, with uh, the fact that it should have ended the first season. <laughs> that could be that could be part of it. That could certainly be part of it. But then we would never get uh, uh, Mary Louise right. That's true. We never um, have Meryl Streep uh, desecrating with, pizza. Yeah, yeah, with those little teeth. With those little teeth. And um, we're hearing from HBO execs though that a third season is probably not in the works. Yeah, that's something that uh, that had broken a few days ago. Yeah, right? that there was uh, that that I think that they would be super pumped if they could get the stars to align. Literally 
movie, the stars yeah. of Big Little Lies to align for another project, but it doesn't seem very likely. Uh, so it seems more likely that season two of Big Little Lies will be the final season. And maybe they feel Little the Lies. same kind of eerie, sort of uh, over dramatic, you know, pause that we're getting to from watching this. Maybe, Who knows? Like, maybe Nicole was like, you know what? I'm done. Who knows? Um, Reese is like, ah. I can't do this anymore. But scandal. I don't know. Scandal. Yeah. Scandal Let's in the talk world. About the scandal. scandal in the world of Big Little Lies. Uh, late last week, uh, a report on July 12th published on IndieWire.com with the headline, Big Little Lies Season 2 Turmoil Inside Andrea Arnold's Loss of Creative Control. Mm-hmm. Andrea Arnold being the director of season two of Big Little Lies. Uh, and rather than, uh, than, you know, bungle the details of the report, I think, uh, it would be best to just read some of the report for those who have not heard, yeah. uh, the, the news, uh, the, the report that is making the round. So I will, uh, unless you, Emily, you can, you can read the report if you'd like. Which or, paragraph uh, would you like well, me to read? I, I want to, I want to read a decent amount of this. Sure, I can read uh, it. So let's, let's start, let's start right from the top. So, right from the first episode, something has felt slightly disjointed about the second season of Big Little Lies. When the show isn't in the flow of its recognizable style, there is a strange editorial tension. Scenes are choppy, lacking any sense of internal rhythm. As it turns out, that friction was the product of a behind-the-scenes struggle that grew out of an attempt to remove the style of its director in post-production. When the executive producers in HBO approached Andrea Arnold about directing the second season of Big Little Lies... The pitch was simple. They not only wanted the British filmmaker from American Honey to direct the entire season, they wanted Andrea Arnold's version of the show and all that it entailed. It wasn't just lip service. From prep through production and into post-production, Arnold was to get free reign. But a significant part of HBO and showrunner David E. Kelly's plan was not shared with Arnold. According to a number of sources close to the production, this was a dramatic there was a dramatic shift in late 2018 as the show was yanked away from Arnold and creative control was handed over to executive producer and season one director Jean-Marc Vallée. The goal was to unify the visual style of season one and two. In other words, after all the episodes had been shot, take Arnold's work and make it look and feel like the familiar style Vallée brought to the first hit season, which won eight of the 16 Emmys it was nominated for in 2017, including outstanding whatever, because you're scrolling too fast. Um, (laughs) Outstanding drama series. Outstanding (laughs) limited limited series, series, rather. According to sources uh, close to the executive producers, it had always been the plan, although unbeknownst to Arnold, for Valet to become re-involved in the show last fall. Kelly, whose TV career started in the 1980s writing network shows, is a strong believer that TV is different than movies. Shows have a unified style rather than directorial voice. In working with Valet during the first season, Kelly grew, grew to trust and appreciate the distinct tone and visual style the director brought to his series and entered the second season seeing it as the established look of the show. When HBO and the show's executive producers were unwilling to wait for Valet, who had committed to Sharp Objects yes, to shoot shout season out two, sharp the creative team behind the show collectively decided to hire Arnold, whose work they believed that Valet and his season one team could easily shape into the show's distinctive style in post-production. Valet, who advocated for Arnold, told IndieWire last May that he saw their directorial styles as being cut from the same cloth. We have similar ways of shooting when you look at it, said Valet. She shot handheld available light. She aims for performances like I did in season one. She is she is who she is. But the spirit of the others is there. Okay, so that's uh, there's there's more to the report from IndieWire. It's on IndieWire.com if you haven't read it uh, already. And credit to the author Chris O'Fault uh, who wrote this story. Uh, kind of electrified Big Little Lies Twitter towards the end of the week. So we're coming at this a little bit late, uh, but this is when our podcast comes out. Uh, and. I don't know. I mean, this, it's, it's fascinating. I do think certainly if we've been, you know, monitoring some of the feedback we've been receiving, Emily, over the past few episodes, uh, of coverage, like this seems fairly consistent with the way that the audience seems to be receiving season two of Big Little Lies. I think it's inarguable that the, that the acting is great, that we're dealing with such great performers. Yeah, definitely. Here. Um, but like there have been some issues with the writing where some of the scenes, like it feels like a little, sometimes it feels like a little paint by numbers or maybe it feels like the, the story is a little thinner. Well, you made that comment year. last night where you were like, I feel like there are small interstitial, interstitial scenes that are paint by numbers that, 
occur basically in every single episode that we don't need to see. Well, there was the mo- there was like there was one moment in episode six in this most recent episode where Madeline comes to Ed and Ed is sitting by his like his iMac and <laughs> uh, or his MacBook and and she like shows up and she's like hey she's entering a diary journal yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like dear diary well today's the first day of my diary uh, that's a strange idea and I don't know how to feel about thanks it thanks a lot Tori and your new I mean that would have been an exciting scene but yeah, instead it was you, just like, sort of like a, it was literally it was just there she just shows up and they like have like the same conversation they've had for uh, the past several weeks now. Uh, with like no real forward movement in um, in the in the conversation, and I think that you know there have been there have been a lot of jokes. John Denver, Densford, uh, cousin John. So you're like that, John Denver. No, he's not. He's not talking big little eyes. Sadly, uh, John Densford had had tweeted to to us a, a link to a video of a uh, of a of a clickhole author who had created this parody video about uh, about the uh, I can only think about memories in big little lies style. Uh, and it was like a video <laughs> video of her like on a beach and like she stops like walking on the beach and has like a flash to something else. And there there does like feel like maybe there's like a little bit of like Big Little Lies like almost like parodying itself at times. Like redundancy that's so obvious. Well, it just seems a little strange sometimes. And I think that this story helps to explain that to a certain degree that there's some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, HBO eventually responded uh, to they, they sent out a statement to a few different outlets, including my uh, my home base. The Hollywood Reporter uh, and the network had said in a statement on Friday to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, there wouldn't be a season two of Big Little Lies without Andrea Arnold. We at HBO and the producers are extremely proud of her work. As with any television project, the executive producers work collaboratively on the series and we think of the final product speaks for itself. And we're not making a third season. And we're not making a third <laughs> season. So this won't be a problem next year anyway. Yeah, go uh, away. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree with uh, uh, in the IndieWire story it's it's attributed to to i think david e kelly that television is you know kind of a producer's medium and shows should have a unified style rather than a directorial voice i do think that there should be something as you know something like a house style for a tv show uh you know for certain shows like maybe a house not, salad maybe not maybe not for every single show uh certain shows thrive on like the real individuality of like the tone and the feel of an episode as a unit um but other shows kind of structure their story more like an extended film uh, yeah. which you know I, I do hate that idea of TV as like uh, you know the auteur who comes in and says this was this is an 18 hour movie uh, as much as I love Twin Peaks The Return I love Twin Peaks The Return because it was a great 18 episode season of TV it may have been 17 episodes I'm blanking on the number right now wow um, human ID- IMDB da- short circuited but, e- but e- <laughs> even like someone who's you know an auteur like David Lynch and he's directing every single episode of that so that's closer to a movie but you're trying to come up with something that like feels unified feels like something that's you know of a piece and i and i get that idea of you want your episodes to look consistent and you want that second season to look of a piece of the first season so uh, as a premise as just like uh, uh, generally i i don't have an issue but it's not it's not great if this is like withheld from Andrew Arnold, which is what the what the story alleges. Do you think that um, they called John Mark in when, after they looked at Jane's bangs? They're like, oh god, no, we need to bring him back. No, who knows what the it blunt is? Style. You know, draw your own conclusions. This is out there. Uh, call valet. Her, her, her bangs are too short. Call valet. Uh, you know, who who knows who knows what the what the real you know shenanigans are behind the scenes. But I think that there has been like sort of this tension in the viewing of Big Little Lies season two that maybe this helps to explain. Uh, and you know, I. I don't mind the the you know a show looking similar to its its first season and a show looking similar across the board but i do think that like it should be above board and everybody should be on the same page about something like this. Yeah, it kind of feels like she got caught, at, you know, at a left field with this. Yeah, so that's I don't not love that. something that's fun to hear, not especially a, with a, a female director, too. We don't see a lot of them these days. You know, we want to be more inclusive. Certainly not enough. Yeah. And to have him kind of swoop back in post-production seems a little funky. So that's the that's the scandal uh, surrounding Big, Big Little Lies right now, Emily Fox. But we got to talk about scandals within the universe of Big Little Lies because this is this was a big episode. Emily trials 
People are taking the stand. Yeah, so many hearings of all different kinds. So many hearings of all different kinds. Was that a pun? Because uh, before we started recording this podcast, <laughs> I just went and visited an ENT to get my ears cleaned, and you watched giddily from the sidelines as it happened? I am a woman who has looked inside of your ears for 13 years. You, yeah. get, you have no idea how much uh, pleasure it brought me to watch a woman take out all of the earwax from each ear. We probably should have had a trigger warning for that because it's a fairly gross description of what happened. Um, the most upsetting part was she showed me so quickly and then threw it away. Oh, and I was God. like, no, I wanted to look at right, that. So now you're getting a little longer. bit of insight into what would be in our diaries uh, if, we were, if, we not, were, if we were to keep not, uh, I mean, a that's thing. gross. So a little bit of a kink. Uh, but it's a, that's a bad segue into some of the stuff <laughs> that is being discussed. Well, before we even get started, do you feel like you can hear me better? I do feel like I can hear you better. I'm really excited about this. Now you can't blame your wax for not hearing me. No, I'll just blame it on the anxiety, which is a valid excuse. Oh, cool. Um, so let's get into the <laughs> let's get into what's going on here in this episode. The bad mother, uh, the the trial of uh, the custody battle between Celeste and Mary Louise for the boys. We'll we'll break it down. We'll get into the specifics a little bit, um, but just kind of on a broader scale, Emily. Any major takeaways from the way? This played out this week. I mean, we giggled and then turned it off immediately last night after the episode concluded. But I think we both looked at each other and said, wow, Celeste has finally decided to wear her lawyer hat in like the 11th hour of this. Yeah. I felt a little contrived at this point. Well, for me, I guess like, you know, if you if you accept that, like she's in a very bad way, she has every reason to be in a very bad way, given that she had been in a very bad way for a very long time. And, you know, Perry gone. There's a lot of complicated uh, practical developments that stem from that. Absolutely. There's a lot of very complicated emotional uh, issues with something like that. And we're learning more about uh, Celeste's sort of personal life in a way that we had not been shown as the viewer prior to, right? Right. Yeah. There's some things that we had missed. Um, You know, a lot of like the sexual relationships that she had had that we had not been privy to. We really only got to see Joe the bartender. And like one of the whammies, such as it is, of this episode is that Joe was like one of a a few people um, that somebody's been spying on Celeste. Yeah, she's been being followed. So that's not great. Helping to build that case out to like show like some of the things that Celeste had been doing and some of the people that Celeste had been seeing. Um, But as for her like becoming a lawyer, you know, kind of in the 11th hour, like I think that the 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 show had uh, had taken you know had gone out of its way to show that Celeste is in distress and isn't exactly thinking super clearly right now for a lot of very justifiable reasons for sure um, and so for her to finally be like sturdy enough to like stand up and be like this is my fight I want to wage it uh, which is like you know the the cliffhanger at the end of the episode that leads us into the finale is that Celeste is going to like cross-examine Mary Louise <laughs> in the courtroom. Um, and I guess like, I, I get it to a certain degree that she would just not be quite as uh, put together uh, during some of the legal battle leading up to, uh, up well, to she, that moment. And you could tell, you know, sort of in the earlier episodes where she first hires her lawyer, and obviously she's a little sort of suspect as to whether this woman is as qualified as she needs to be in order to go up against Mary Louise and her attorney. Um, but it is surprising that they didn't look at the angle before, you know, judgment was made that Mary Louise was, in fact, Perry's mother. Right. And, you know, she had a hand in raising him. And if he was as much of a monster as everyone portends him to be, why was Mary Louise not brought up in some capacity and asked these questions prior to? Correct. That's I mean, I think that that's a really valid criticism of the way that the trial scenes played out is like there there were things that happened in the trial scene that like we as a viewer could have totally anticipated were going to come up. Absolutely. Like the death of Perry was going to come up. They even talked about it last week. Like, you know, we're everything is fair game. You're all fair game. I'm being dragged out into the cold light of day. And so when when Perry's death comes up the way it comes up, the fact that it feels like it comes up as a blind side is a little surprising because that should have just come up. I think that the Mary Louise piece, you're right, like for that to not have been played. So it just felt like there was sort of like there was like a, kind of like an odd air of fiction I mean, this is a fictional show, but I think... <laughs> this isn't real life? It's not real. Oh, I'm really upset. This isn't reality TV! <laughs> uh, 
you know, I, I think that like a great a great story sucks you into the point where like you're not looking for the seams because you're just feeling so immersed. And right. I think, you know, based on just a lot of the reactions that I've seen. I was like, this is a raw edge. You know, my you didn't hem it well. My feeling as well is like, oh man, like I can kind of like this just like does this just there's just, just sort of sort of like an illusory quality. Just kind of to an it. annoying blind spot used specifically to sort of keep it at a cliffhanger, you know, at the end. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I love Dennis O'Hare, who's the actor who, uh, he's the vampire king of Louisiana, uh, from, from How many True more Blood. Times are you going to say I just, that? I love describing him <laughs> as the vampire king of Louisiana, but I guess he's actually, his name is Ira Farber. And he's a pretty ruthless attorney. A ruthless this. attorney. I guess Ira Farber is a pretty fun, uh, series of words to say. Ira Farber. Try it. <laughs> Ira Farber. It's good. It's fun. So he's Ira Farber, the vampire uh, assistant district attorney of Monterey, <laughs> California. I don't know. He's, he's he's in divorce law. He's in whatever law he's in, uh, and he's he comes he comes at Celeste pretty hard. And I love that actor. We don't see him enough, so I really did enjoy uh, seeing him on the show. And he's pretty cool, calm, and collected, given you know the subject matter that he's pushing her on. He's 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 a great actor. My colleague at the Hollywood Reporter, Jackie Strauss, who's been covering uh big little lies and her coverage has been fantastic so if you haven't sought it out you really should uh she had a great interview with dennis o'hare uh about what it was like to to be part of the big little lies cast this season he said that he was a huge fan of the first season so it was a no-brainer for him to sign on uh when the opportunity came up and he tells a really great story uh jackie asks him what was it like to join this big little lies world as a latecomer and this is dennis o'hare's response he says i was there all told for two weeks the courtroom scenes were maybe five days, but it was great. I loved being around everybody. After the premiere event in New York, I actually stumbled into a very sort of exclusive private party. I was going into the hotel the same time that Meryl was, and I made a joke about how we both had escaped the crowd out front. She turned around and laughed, grabbed my arm, and we went in the elevator and she pushed down. I said, no, 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 I'm going up. And she said, no, no, no. You're going down. The doors opened and it was some party. I went in with her and we had an amazing time. I had lovely conversations with a lot of the cast and I was so grateful for that. Uh, end of the story. Uh, I love the idea of uh, the vampire king of Louisiana being like summoned to this like secret elite exclusive actor party that Underground. Meryl Streep had, had access to. Uh, of course she had access to it because she is Meryl Streep. And I also love the idea that Meryl Streep is, uh, is, is so kind and nice that she just like dragged this person uh to this exclusive party the way i said that made it sound a little more aggressive <laughs> yeah that's a little weird to drag him um but i but i i've been she escorted him i i liked I, I liked the performances in the scene I, I i felt really awful for celeste how I, did you feel about her low pone her low pone i guess i didn't notice the low pone could you tell me more about that <laughs> she had to look very conservative and put together for these hearings mm -hmm. and you know there's a morning where she's putting on makeup the night after she drank all the vodka out of a teacup right and she pulls her hair back into a low pone okay no Oh no! I just didn't. Notice. I'm just making an observation. Well, that's fine, but you had observed I it. I didn't. To that's fine. Uh, how did <laughs> how did you feel about the low pone? I felt like it was okay. The two flyaways on both sides of her bangs were kind of annoying to watch. Okay, that's anyway. it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I used. That's to, all I have to say. Once upon a time, I I'm was, done. Now you can let me go. Once upon a time, <laughs> I was on a, a a beat around here on Posture Recaps that we referred to as Wig Watch, uh, where I would keep an eye out for the wigs, uh, like hair really? pieces and stuff. Uh, Are you making this up? No, I'm not making it up. Deep Cut Post Show Recaps listeners will will tell you that it's it's the truth. It was typically about the strain, Stragoy, another vampire show. Oh, God. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it extended to a couple of other things. It's been a while since Wigwatch. I don't think we're talking about Wigwatch right here. I'm just noting your fascination with hair uh, coincides with my Don't you think that Mary Louise's hair. hair is fake? Yes, Wigwatch. I would, I would, <laughs> I would expect that that is not real. I think think that the Shailene Woodley hair is real. No, it is real. I believe that that's real. No, we've real. already talked mm -hmm. about this. So I believe that that's real. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I would expect expect that the that the uh the mary louise hair is is a wig but i'm rusty it's been a while since i've been on wig watch so i could be wrong uh but Gotta given, get back in the game given the fake teeth i think meryl is uh, clearly enjoying accessories and accessorizing the character so it wouldn't oh wouldn't God. surprise me uh celeste going home after like getting like ruthlessly annihilated on the stand uh and then like pounding vodka the night before where she knows like she's already been given the pep talk by madeline and everybody being like you really got to bring it 
tomorrow. Like you cannot leave it like that. That's a bad look. You got to fight for your kids. And she's like, no, you're totally right. Then she goes home. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Gloom, gloom, gloom. She has a vodka tea party. That's awful. I feel horrible I know. for I was her. Like, this is not a good coping mechanism. It's not. It's not. But you know, especially if you have to be up bright and early the next day. It's tough. Uh, you know, I think that that's it's a very real problem. And she has, you know, a lot of reasons why she would be pushed in that direction. So it's just it's very it was very, very hard to watch. My heart went out to her. I mean, in a lot uh, of ways, that. though, we're kind of watching this power struggle between Mary Louise and Celeste for obvious reasons. But I don't blame Mary, like Mary Louise, for kind of feeling like she, you know, should be worried about her boys in a way. Like yeah. the whole ambient thing is a little unsettling. Well, of course, unless Mary Louise is like drugging Celeste, right? Well, yeah, uh, and, and, and even if she's part. not, which is very conspiratorial of me, but this is a salacious show, so you just don't know what kind of David Great, Kellyisms no are coming up. Uh, that was a, bit, a little salacious crumb for you, Emily Fox, and mm. that was a little salacious crumb for you, Star Wars fans. Uh, that I, I, which Emily is not, uh, which is oh, relax. which is fine. Don't out it's, me. fine. It's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I've seen it. And it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, that I mean, talk that, about dragon it's fine something like that could happen <laughs> something like that could happen on a show like big little lies i, thought I was who, going up i'm knows? going it's down it's fine it's fine uh you know that could that could be something that occurs uh but i think it's also just possible that mary louise is terrible and for uh, you know many of the other like proven manipulative things that she has done uh would make you suspect of why she would be somebody to to take the boys do you want to talk about how she speaks with jane how they exchange some words because i feel like that is really upsetting and sort of in you know more yeah yeah i mean let's talk about jane uh you know jane has a has a decently sized storyline this week i mean celeste and bonnie really are, are the are the two big ones and i would say renata then i would say jane <laughs> then i would say madeline just mostly because the madeline storyline gets it, it goes to a weird place that i'd like to talk about last uh but let's talk <laughs> let's bump up jane in the in the order here because uh, there was the cliffhanger last week about Corey with the police and bonnie saw him and like this episode wastes no time in getting into which that which was a bit of a relief too because i think i wanted to know that more than anything else. I like that Jane came up to like, you a co-op? And he's like, I'm not a co-op. Uh, more departed humor for you, Emily. You seem to look like the departed stuff before, so I thought that I would bring it back out because that is a movie you've Martin seen. Martin Sheen isn't in this. He's not in Nor this. Nor is his terrible yeah. Boston accent. Are you a co-op or are you a cop? Ugh, it's just like, choose one. Oh, uh, but Corey's not a cop, I wish apparently. I had wax to block my ears Corey's not one. a cop, apparently. He says that he, he's, uh, he was being questioned about Perry Wright's death. Which is one of the things we kind of, you know, we figured as an probably, option. Yeah, we yeah. figured that something like that was probably So not that on. surprising, given the fact that they're sort of like angling in to like get to the inner circle of the Monterey Five, right? He kind of lays out some of what we could have uh, already figured at this point, that Detective Quinn is building a case. Quinlan. Quinlan. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> De- Detective Quinlan? Yeah. Uh, Detective Quinlan, Detective Queenan? Like, uh, Queenan, that, I mean, yeah, that's I know. A, that's why I'm yeah, laughing. That's a, that's a little bit of a departedism for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Detective Quinlan and Queenan. Who God, knew? Get it right. Uh, but Detective Quinlan <laughs> is building this case, and she wants to she wants to like cut a deal with one of the Monterey Five, but the other four are going to burn. And so Corey's trying to like push Jane into a place of being like, hey, maybe cut that deal. I was trying to do the mental math of like who would make the most sense to be the one that breaks did you do that at all um it's i mean the show is trying to put us in the place that it's bonnie right like bonnie seems to be the one who yeah. you know she stands up in the courtroom and like has like her like i confess vision but or she's writing it in a book that anyone could access so we'll, we'll, there's that we'll get into bonnie in a sorry bit. but that's sorry. that's what's going on with jane and Corey, and it's estranging jane and Corey's relationship which was already a little bit at arm's reach for very understandable reasons Corey is like very I, I don't love Corey in this episode, to be honest. Uh, He's like, I'm still with you. Like, I'm not giving like, I'm up. Not, I'm not giving then up. then he called her prickly. He called her prickly. And like, I mean, like, to like kids, like to like yeah. people who visited the Bonnery Aquarium. How immature. Like at a certain point, maybe just like let it go. And the fact yeah, that he's, he's not... not yeah. I don't know. I, I don't feel great about the Jane and Corey thing. That's yeah. that's just one person's opinion. Uh, but Jane and Mary Louise. Yes. So Jane is, you know, one of you know, the, the whole Monterey Five. They're at the, the custody battle. They're in the they're, you know, out in the crowd and they're watching everything. Uh, and so Jane is very upset with the way that it's going down. And she goes and confronts Mary Louise. They live in the same complex. So it's easy for them to have uh, a, a late night rendezvous. Uh, <laughs> and she comes to her door and she like tries to like uh, lay it. And she's like, Celeste is going through a a lot like call it off we like all why are. are you doing this and mary louise seizes on that like 
oh, we're all going through a lot, are we? Are you going through a lot because you killed my son? Yeah, yeah. Is a lot weighing on your conscience? Yeah. Like that whole thing? And, really, and it's like, I heard you had a gun. Did you have a gun because you were going to kill my yeah, son? Yeah, did you follow him to Monterey? Yeah, did you plan on killing my son? And so uh, she shuts the door. And I think that that really like raises the, the red flags of like, oh, this could happen to me too. She could try to take Ziggy from me, right? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Jane probably already was feeling like not great about Mary Louise to begin with. But yeah, but I, to see the tables turn so quickly. In that way. Yeah. I think would be a lot. Um, so... That was that was intense. That was an yeah. in, that was an intense scene, and you wonder uh, you wonder exactly how things will resolve for Jane and Mary Louise. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how things resolve between Celeste versus Mary Louise. And there's some there's some theorizing we can do, but I want to save that for the feedback because we've got some yes. questions on that front. Let's talk about Bonnie. Uh, and I mean, outside of Meryl Streep uh, and Laura Dern. Because those two are probably top two of the season for me. The Zoe Kravitz uh, performance is really, really, really special, I think, this season and what they're doing with Bonnie. Uh, I know it's been a little divisive for some people who aren't enjoying the Bonnie storyline so much. And I think enjoy is maybe a weird word to associate with what she's going through. But she's just she's acting the hell out of this. Yeah, she's very talented. There's a lot that goes on with Bonnie this week. Her mother, uh, who has had, you know, who's been uh, suffering from the effects of the stroke and she's been bedridden, uh, you know, from the, from, you know, talk about, you know, years of alcohol abuse. We know that that has been something that's been going on with Bonnie's mother. Um, she's still like kind of like drifting in and out of consciousness. She's still not speaking. Yeah. But I think at this point they're starting to throw in the towel based on what the doctor's prognosis is, right? If she's not waking up, if she's not coming, you know, from out of this state, then it's probably a lost cause in a way. And at least Bonnie is the one to hit the nail on the head and goes, can we kill her? Yeah, but which I, is like a very uh, everyone is like very like charged by that. And I think that the like sort of like the the cavalier way in which she states that suggestion, <laughs> you understand why everyone's like, oh, yeah, wait I don't a know second. about that. And like her dad is having a very heartfelt moment right before then where he's like, she's too young to die. I right. can't believe this sort of right. thing. And then Bonnie just blurts that out. Right. So yikes! So, I mean, I don't think that you can. I don't. I don't think that you can just kill her. Uh, but Bonnie, who has killed I mean, a only man in a, now, a few select states, right? You know, I. I don't. I don't. I. I don't know the law in in California. Uh, uh, I don't think there's a law there. So I. But so in I, Oregon, there is. So I don't know. But Bonnie, like, says she says that, and like everyone is kind of like a little bit aghast over that. Yeah, she's like, can't we just give her morphine? And it's. I mean, that's sort of like a move you do in hospice. But I don't think that they've you know completely given up hope yet. Right. But Bonnie also has like. She has the vision of like suffocating her mother with a pillow and like euthanizing her that way. But based on what Bonnie says to her mother at the end of the episode, you also imagine that there's like a healthy amount of rage behind that. Yeah, uh, for or sure. An unhealthy amount of rage, as it were. Cause Bonnie like talks about, uh, you know, all of the different things, like all of the different reasons she has her confession. Uh, and like, you know, we've been inching towards some sort of big proclamation from Bonnie all season long, uh, where she's, you know, jogged past the police station and we're wondering, like, is she going to go to the police? Is that what's going to happen? All of these images of water mm-hmm. sort of surrounding of drowning. Her. Like she doesn't like things are not good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, in this episode when she's there at the trial, she, uh, you know, she imagines herself standing up and being like, I did it. Like, she wants to offload that. She needs to be free of this. And she even mentions it to some of the women, too, when they're walking in through the metal detector. Like, oh, it's starting to get to you, too, huh? Right. And everyone's like, I mean, yeah, but like, probably not as bad as it is for you. <laughs> right, right, right. And even when she wakes up from that dream sequence she has of her mother, right? Waking up from the bed and the mother going, come to the light, like, come over. So there's a lot of sort of like dabbling in like, is this the end game for Bonnie in a lot of ways, both maybe physically and also in terms of just like ending the drama, being able to confess. Right. And so it's it's left in a way where there's this final scene with Bonnie at the hospital in this episode where she talks about how she's going to make a confession uh, but first she should confess to her mother. Yeah. Um, so we've only got one episode left and it certainly sounds like heading into the finale, Bonnie's plan is to confess to the death of, uh, to, to killing Perry. Yeah. 
But I mean, it's pretty amazing that she also says within her confession to her mother that, you know, this was really me reacting to you. All of these things that you did, I resent the fact for you treating me this way, for not being able to do my homework without you starting a fight, for you not hearing me or you're calling me nothing, for me settling for a man that I do not. And she can't even say say it, but it's like, yes, relatable content. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Nathan is not for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was great to hear her just basically, uh, trash Nathan, even though that was very sad. Yeah. Very sad to hear that. Gotta be an impossible thing to vocalize. Yeah. Especially given all of the trauma she's been through with keeping this secret altogether. Right. Um, but it has made her sort of, you know, unwind all of these different emotions and seeing her mom sick like this and potentially on her deathbed, you know, this brings up a lot of really heavy material. Yeah. And I also noticed, you know, do you see when, uh, Nathan and his, their daughter show up to say hi right after Bonnie wakes up, right? She pulls her daughter close and says, you know, that you're the best daughter in the world or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. That feels very final to me. Yeah. And it might just be, you know, a microcosm of her realizing that her mother never said that to her. So she wants to be able to impart that, you know, sort of like emotional connection to her daughter. But it might also be like, hey, I'm not going to be around for much longer. You know, I have a larger plan here. Right. And we don't know what that is, obviously. But, you know, all, you know, directions point to probably a confession of some point. All right. Well, if there's going to be a confession, it's going to it's going to happen soon. I mean, it has to. There's one (laughs) one episode left of Big Little Lies. Probably ever. Press release. Yeah. Sorry, we couldn't finish this. We ran out of time to tell the story. Jean-Marc Vallée yeah. cut off Andrea Arnold. Uh, she had a great answer, uh, <laughs> but who knows? Um, okay, so let's talk about Renata. Oh boy. Uh, you know the real the real deal with Renata this week is uh, you know the the situation remains as it is. They're bankrupt, and there's a lot of fallout from the bankruptcy that's going on, uh, including uh, they have to fire the au pair. Or yeah. let her go, and it seems like a very sad thing for Renata. Who's like, a little awkward with Renata when she says goodbye. Yeah, well, we come to find out maybe <laughs> why. We come to find out maybe why that's the case. Yeah, do you want to talk about that? Well, so so uh, so they let go of Renata, and Renata uh, or Renata lets go of the au pair, and they make a big show of it, and like we're gonna make sure we get you a job. Uh, that's the most important thing. Like we would give you the money right now, but things are a little tight, so we're gonna make sure you get a job, and then we're gonna hire you back. And she's like hugging her, and it's like emotional for her, but for the au pair, she's obviously like. Ah. I kind of just love the money would be great. And also, I don't think that I'd like to come back. Uh, and we cut to the big, uh, banks, bankruptcy meeting of, of the creditors and, and where everything is falling. So and- I did a little reading about this mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you and I have, you know, luckily never had to file for bankruptcy, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very lucky that it we haven't had like to do that yet. It seems like a pretty yet. traumatic <laughs> event. Um, sorry, I'm just saying, <laughs> okay. uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, this is not firsthand knowledge, right, but right. I was reading a lot about it. And usually from what I understand, most creditors don't show up to these meetings. So the fact that they have like a pretty full, you know, audience of people that are standing up and being like, yeah, this person owes me this and this person owes me that. Because like they want their stuff. Yeah. They want their stuff. Which shows how much on the hook they are to pay people, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a great Vulture article up right now that stems from uh, from what happened in this episode and from the bankruptcy meeting that uh, the headline is awesome. The headline is Gordon's Magnificent Big Little Lies train set cost $30,000. I mean, we knew it was going to be a high number, right? It's yeah. very ornate. Yeah, and it's a, it's a big <laughs> deep dive into how the train station uh, was made uh there's an interview with the production di- uh, designer john pano uh who spoke with them they uh worked with a team called uh the train shack in burbank Stop it. can i read the quote that he said uh, yes of course all right so john pano says when i was researching man caves yes. it made sense that he had a train and enjoyed collecting memorabilia we wanted to have a really expensive train set in there to show his wealth what would be something expensive he could lose? I mean, it's kind of great. <laughs> it's kind of great. It's sort of great uh, that, you know, they, they set that up. I mean, I think at the start of the season, we're like, why are we seeing Gordon with this train? Uh, and I mean, it's a big honking prop that you can then yank away from this guy. And I think even though it's like a, it's a huge visual thing uh, that's being taken away, it really pales in comparison to like the existential crises that are being faced by some of the other characters on the show. So I, I sort of love that. It's both just like 
hilarious to watch him with his train set and him to be like so mopey in his man cave uh and for all of that to represent just sort of like the you know the bs problems that that he's facing relative to to other people and if there was any like shred of sympathy or empathy that was starting to develop for a character like gordon <laughs> that quick, went right out the door <laughs> knocked out during this big meeting where the au pair is there and she wants her money and like it's unfortunate that she has to go about getting it this way but clearly like you know Renato isn't going to offer it up and Gordon wasn't going to offer it up and she wants a you know she wants her severance she wants what she's owed and she adds to that number uh I think it's something like $60,000 for what she describes as stress management it's other services rendered yikes and Renata's like what what are you talking about and Gordon's like you could like see Gordon like kind of like looking out at the au pair being like chill, 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 chill. don't say that no 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 <laughs> not here don't do it uh and I don't think that we need to talk about what uh, the stress management is. The fact that she it may be something that would be found it. in uh, somebody's diary uh, potentially. I don't know. Being compensated for that, uh, those services rendered is a very troubling. I mean, the whole fact. thing is very troubling. The whole thing is so troubling. Gordon, you you done messed up. You here. messed up. You messed up. It's so troubling. And then like they get in the car. And Gordon's trying to explain it. And then Renata has a, a, gr- she- a great Laura Dern moment. <laughs> it is very cartoony. It's absolutely cartoony. She shoved a whole wad of tissues she in just, his like, mouth. She pulled out all this Kleenex and shoved it in his mouth after she tells him to shut up forever. <laughs> like, do not speak out of... What is she... Like, your little weaselly mouth or whatever she says to him. I forget exactly what the quote is. Uh, but she's just like, you little troll. Just shut up forever. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! You know it's a it's. I a, shouldn't laugh. It's really well. Upsetting. It's very sad. It's very upsetting. But the 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 beauty of the of the Renata character and and Laura Dern's performance is that she's just she's so extreme. So it's it's hard not to have like your first reaction just to be like cracking up at like the magnitude of the way she plays. Well, it's this almost character. like a a release in a way because I lot I think a lot of the other scenes that we're watching are really intense and require a lot of you know focus. For both the viewer and obviously, you know, the subject matter at, at hand. But when you see Renata kind of fly off the handle, it's like a great release for a lot of people. I, yeah. I, I get my laughs out then and then I'm able to focus on what's happening next. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so that's some of the Renata. You know, that's all going to have to resolve in some way, shape or form next week. I hope, you know, we were set up with uh, we don't divorce men. They screw us over and we stay with them. And that's just what we do. I hope that that line from a few episodes back is in there because Renata will turn the corner by being like, yo, Gordon, you're done. It's over. You're done. I'm starting over because uh, I just I would I would hate for this to end with the two of them together. He's just awful. There's nothing redeemable about this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely not. not. Tony Almeida was right to kill him in 24. Season wow. Seven. That was a 24 spoiler for a season that was many, many years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> Madeline. Let's talk Madeline, who we usually talk about pretty early on, but there's not a ton that goes on with her specifically in this episode. It seems like maybe uh, she and Ed are starting to trend upward. Things seem like they're moving in the right direction. She has that moment where she's wearing the, wearing the wedding dress. She's like, uh, it doesn't fit really well. We're not going to talk about that, uh, which I thought was really funny. I but, love that. Yeah, I thought it was a funny moment. Reese Witherspoon's great. Uh, and she's like, she's like, you know, dancing around. And Ed, who I, at, in the moment, in the way that Adam Scott was playing it, I didn't know exactly where it was going to go, if this was going to be like, because this was after he'd had his meeting with Tori Bachman, <laughs> which we should just say he had a meeting with Tori Bachman, uh, Joseph's which is wife. What, a follow up from the bar hangout? Yeah, where they had like their bar hangout at the end of uh, last week. I episode. still don't understand if like that. And Joseph was there as well. Yeah. And it seems. Is that when she first floated the idea and then she was like, we should meet for coffee and talk about it more? Like, it I seems, don't get it. It seems <laughs> as though there has been a proposal, an indecent proposal. Wow. Good. Uh, for, for there to be uh, some fornication, uh, some, 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 <laughs> some stuff happening between uh, Tori and Ed. 
She's like, I'm really into you. But like not as a revenge tactic. It's not revenge. It's not it's revenge. A, it's, it's a like, means of like moving means, on. Like, it means we didn't stand here and take it yes. that, that Joe and, so and Madeline sort of like were doing it behind her back. Gaining control from a bad situation that your spouse has already created. It seems like this was like uh, uh, divine from some therapy that she's been going through, that she and her husband have been going through. And she's like bringing this over to Ed being like, so what do you think? Do you think they go to the same therapist too? I wonder. <laughs> I mean, it seems like there's only one therapist in Monterey. So very likely very likely that this is from the same uh from from therapist calamity jane uh i want you to talk to the other spouses you know you need to figure this out i have a big idea and i just want you to chew on it (laughs) hear me out (laughs) spouse swap (laughs) just hear me out just hear me out uh deleted scene i want you to keep a journal (laughs) Of all of your theoretical infidelities. Yes, we should call it a a masturbation diary is what we will call it. She talks about the masturbation diary and Ed. And the bucket list. And the bucket list. Like, Ed, you're right at the top of the bucket list. I'm very into you. And if like we like if we don't like this, then it's done. Uh, but let's face it, we're going to like it. And we'll then she's like, do and then again. we can keep doing it again. And Ed is just again. like, oh, oh, man, this is weird. He's like, man, I really wish Nathan was walking by to say something stupid to me. To yeah, get me out of this I could really use a Nathan distraction <laughs> right about now. Uh, so like, that's where we are in Big Little Lies as we're getting into like uh, this kind of territory. Uh, we don't really see how he responds to the proposal, but we do see that Ed, like, you know, what, what we were saying before is that Madeline is home. She's dancing around her wedding dress. And uh, like, she's really trying, even though she's, she's really not trying. actually telling him the truth about the Monterey Five related stuff anyway. But, but, but. I thought that Ed was going to go home and be like, uh, yeah, you've really lost it. And I'm just like, I can't do this. And also, I have like a like a kind of sort of threesome offer on the table. And I think I'm going to take it. Dangerous liaisons. You know, I think I'm going to maybe go for that. Uh, but he doesn't. <laughs> he says, like, I told you before, like, there's no like flash that we can do and I can just forget everything. This is pretty close. Uh, and I thought that was a sweet was moment. And I hope that they're going to be OK. But there is earlier in the episode where uh, where Ed says to Madeline, like, I feel like we're making progress. Uh, I felt like the window was starting to clear up. But right now I'm sensing some kind of fog because it feels like there's still something you're not telling me. And Madeline goes to Renata to be like, I want to tell Ed about the lie. Which is no, there's no logical reason. It feels like really that, out of character. So what we were just saying earlier about the interstitial scenes where it's paint by numbers, that feels like one too for me. Well, it feels like... It just felt very odd because why, like, Renata is not... Renata still calls her Madeline. Like, why would she go to her? They're not at that level of closeness. Yeah. Um, Even if they're trying, it still doesn't make sense as, like, the next move. Like, they're just not that level of closeness of all the people. Like, she would sooner talk to Jane, who, frankly, she hasn't had a lot of interaction with this season, which is, when you think about it, and this is really the first time I'm thinking about that... That's kind of disappointing because they were so close in season one. <laughs> After Tom's untimely death. Well, that this and would, the coffee shop being taken underwater. Right. This might be like, <laughs> maybe this would be like a moment for, for them to connect or for, for Madeline and, and Bonnie to connect. Although I guess like part of the point is that there still should be this wedge between Madeline and Bonnie. I but, mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that they, they were really, you know, sort of snippy with each other. Yeah, they beach, were. Right? They were. They were. Uh, that was bad. Um, I guess maybe thinking about it a little more. Renata makes sense if she's like if in Madeline's mind she's the most readily available because Celeste is dealing with what she's going through and this is triggering for Jane so she wants to you know you know give Jane some space and she and Bonnie clearly still don't get along that well her and Renata are closer certainly than they were before and the additional thing there could be that like maybe she knows that she needs to be talked out of this and Renata is probably the person who's going to talk her out of it true uh if you want to go a long way to justify it. But, you know, one episode left. Got to imagine that the truth comes out, how Ed receives the truth, whether or not he's like, I can't believe you lied to me about that. Or if he recognizes like, wow, you've been living with that. That is a horrible thing. And I'm here for you. Like, I think you could kind of see it cutting either truth. way. My instinct is that Ed in the end uh, will be uh, supportive of Madeline. But we'll find out. 
Um, not much more to report on the husband front. We've talked about Gordon. We've talked about Ed and the diary keeping that he may or may not begin to do. Uh, there's very little <laughs> Nathan here. I completely missed him. Your I didn't notes, even realize. Your notes are so good for uh, yeah, I say, this episode. No sign of Nathan. Hooray! <laughs> is what I wrote in, in my notes. So you said you saw Nathan. I didn't even see that. Yeah, he stops by at the hospital cool. really quickly. Great. Barely says anything. Barely says anything. It's a great episode. There's like a the, shirt that looks like it shortens his torso a little. Uh, not my favorite look for him. And I think this is probably my <laughs> least favorite episode of Big Little Lies coming into this podcast but now realizing that there was very little nathan uh maybe it's maybe it's trending upwards less nathan for you yes less nathan for me is is good uh let's get into some feedback emily i think i think now's the time to get into some feedback before we do I'd like to take a quick moment to, to thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast, emily and, and we're back here for big little lies we're back here with the lovely folks over at sunbasket indeed uh no matter what you like to eat sunbasket makes it easy. They have paleo, carb-conscious, gluten-free, Mediterranean, diabetes-friendly, and vegan meal plans. Whatever you're into, choose from 18 weekly recipes. Everything you need to eat clean and healthy. Sunbasket sends you organic produce and clean ingredients right to your door to create your own dishes from their recipes, such as shrimp pad thai with rice noodles and sugar snap peas, or Hawaiian locomoco with teriyaki chicken and fried eggs. Uh, Emily, this week I made the steak Steak with bagna cauda, broccoli and radishes. Did I pronounce bagna cauda correctly? Take the G out. Banya cauda. Banya cauda. I wanted to say, ooh, bagna cauda. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you did. I you just made this. did. Uh, I made it for a friend, uh, which was exciting. I cooked for a friend. I had a friend over for dinner and I made them steak. Uh, that was, that was great. I don't really cook for people very often and I felt like confident and good about doing it. And we sat there and we ate a steak and we talked about our lives and it was a great bonding moment. Yeah, and it only took about fifteen minutes for you to prep it. Right? Yeah, it was very quick. It was actually it was it was. I'm I'm feeling like a little more resilient, a little more confident in my cooking abilities, Emily Fox. Uh, pretty soon, you and I will be able to have a, a, a chopped competition in uh, in our apartment. We're going to be able to go head to head, and I I will lose. Uh, <laughs> but maybe it won't be uh, quite quite as much of a slam dunk. Uh, right now, Sunbasket has a special promotion for post show recaps listeners for up to sixty dollars off $30 off your first two deliveries. That's a really good deal. It's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty great deal if it means putting meal planning on autopilot. You can also get in on some lunch planning too because Sunbasket offers up five-minute salad mixes for an easy lunch that's going to help you eat clean and feel great. Sunbasket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And to repeat, I have very little, and I'm doing <laughs> just fine with Sunbasket. It's been great. Everything is pre-measured and easy to prep. You can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in as little as 15 minutes. So put meal planning on autopilot with this special offer. Go to sunbasket.com slash post to get up to $60 off. Once again, that's Sunbasket dot com slash post to learn more about this limited time $60 off special. All right. Some feedback. A little light on the feedback this week, but that's because we're recording relatively close to after the episode aired, aka a Monday morning, which is like a very normal time to to be talking about. Uh, all, all right. Just get to the feedback. I'll just get to the feedback. God. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Humby, Humby chimes in. He goes, holy shit. Celeste is going for who and how Perry's brother died, right? She has to. So that is Humby's prediction for what we're going to get from Celeste when Celeste cross-examines Mary Louise in the season, possibly series finale. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty viable angle that she should have told her attorney about rather than she doing it herself. But uh, yeah, I'm there for it. So we think that Celeste is going to step up to the plate and she's going to she's going to like be uh, Tom Cruise versus Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. And she's going to get Mary Louise to admit to the code red. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. That's the moment we're going to be getting from Mary Louise here in Big Little Lies' season finale. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if everybody can handle uh, the truth. Uh, this wasn't exactly feedback, but it was a Twitter thread that I noticed that I wanted to shout out. Uh, once again, Cousin John, John Densford, uh, John wrote in and said, this trial is so unrealistic. She would never be this unprepared no matter what, especially for the money she's spending. Exactly. Uh, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick had replied to that as well. He said, this whole episode feels pretty off, like we missed an episode in between this 
this week and last week. Uh, Brett Hallamau, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher your name every time I pronounce it. Uh, he says, also, there's zero ability to recreate a fall or push. This is just dumb. Um, th- we didn't even talk about the fact that they like have like a 3D rendering of Perry <laughs> falling. It's like, if he fell, he'd only fall here. But if he was pushed, he would fall this far. Um, I don't know. Certainly, but what I don't know. the technology has <laughs> for such things, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You know, I I don't know what uh what is possible, Emily. Um, but it felt like fairly fancy for uh for a custody hearing to be trotting this. I out. mean, they're fishing, right? Uh, but it does. I I think it was kind of annoying when the attorney was like, "Wow, so this was like a lot harder than we anticipated," and I want to be like, "No, it wasn't." Like this were the all of the things that were brought up were were fair game and right. we knew that they were going to go for the guttural so like it it doesn't really for surprise the me. The jugular? jugular. Sorry. The jugular. No, it's okay. It's cool. No, <sighs> I was just really... trying to figure out what you were doing. Now I got it. No, you're good. You're great. Am I fired? No, of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> they were going to go for the jugular. Like we we knew that Mary Louise had it in her to do it. She's been hanging out with Quinlan. Like they are going to exploit every single piece of information about Celeste to, you know, favor Mary, you know, Mary Louise. Like, that's just what's going to happen. So the fact that her attorney was like, wow, it's really surprising. Like, no, it's not. I do think that we've determined that uh, Celeste's lawyer is garbage. One of the garbage people of Monterey. Uh, She's not garbage. Well, she seems like a fine human. I'm sure she's fine. She just needs to bring the same kind of, like, cutthroat resolve. I don't know. She's, that the vampire king she's, of Louisiana. She's outmatched. The vampire does. king of Louisiana. Uh, Ira Farber. Ira Farber. <laughs> Ira Farber is really, really solid as an attorney. I don't even know what her name is, but I doubt it's as good as Ira Farber. Uh, Leo Rule Forever, uh, the, the prophet of uh, Wake Little Lie, is always on the money. Uh, had, a, had more of an observation this week. Renata finding out her husband was screwing the nanny for so many years was terrifying and hilarious at the same time. Yeah, that's I think about that right. That's a, 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 like a very on-point yep. observation that like the way that it came out, you couldn't help but laugh. But then you think about it a little harder and you're like, that's so messed up. All of that is so messed up. This man should be thrown into the trash. Put this <laughs> man in the trash. The, tra- the ass of the trash. <laughs> Just dump him in there. Yeah. Throw him I mean, in the grinder. He has fewer and fewer redeeming qualities the more we sort of, un, you know, un- unveil all of this stuff. He can I shut up forever. Anymore. I'm he could, done. He can shut up forever, Gordon. You, 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 you trash Here, man. Eat, eat, eat these Kleenexes. Yeah. Eat they some, should have been used. Eat some, eat some Kleenexes. Oh, <laughs> gross. So gross. She's so mad. She's so mad. Um, and she <laughs> should be. She rightfully should be. He's yeah. terrible. And I, I hope for nothing but the worst for him in the season oh, finale well, of Big Little Lies. You shouldn't Lies. hope for the worst. Well, but... the, I, maybe not the worst, but I don't have much positive feeling towards him. Yeah, uh, that's for, fair. For the end of the that's show. That's fair. Amy LaRue writes in, do you think Corey is the private eye who took the photos of Celeste for Mary Louise? So we do see in you know one of the very first scenes of the episode, uh, Jane coming to Corey and being like, are you a cop? And he says, I'm definitely not. But what if he is? And what if he's just lying to us and lying to her? I mean, we don't really know anything about him otherwise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess not because I feel like it would then like, what, what, what are we going to do in the finale? We're going to get a moment where Corey's like, okay, so you know how I said I wasn't a cop? I am. I am a cop. I mean, that just seems lazy. It just feels like we didn't need to go through yeah. all of this. Like, just yeah. like in that scene, like if he's been caught, like just like go with the fact that he's been caught. Because uh, it doesn't really affect things one way or the other too much if we know then versus we know next week, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to guess he's not. I'm going to guess that whoever is like the private eye, it's just like one of the many branches of the Detective Quinlan uh, apparatus. It's an old has. man with a goatee and yeah. a trench coat. Or, yeah, the Groucho you know. Marx glasses. Like, who knows? Who knows what it is? Uh, let's wrap up here with Dave Baker, who wrote who wrote in and said, predictions for the finale. Emily, would you like to get into a, a predictions draft with me? This is something that we do enjoy doing here on the post-show recaps. A draft, okay. A, a draft. So what, what, what we'll do is it'll, we'll do it We'll do it a snake draft. We'll do it, a, if, <laughs> or maybe like a, we can call it like a big sur draft because uh, it, it's windy like a snake in, in 
in Big Sur anyway. Uh, so the way that it'll, it'll work, Emily, is you will have the first pick where you make a prediction uh, for what's going to happen in the finale. Then I will make two predictions. Then you will make two predictions. I'll make one final prediction. And we'll have three predictions each. And whoever wins the prediction draft has to has to buy the other person a $30,000 train set. Ew, I don't want a train set. We don't have space for that. How about a 30 the 30 cent train sticker. <laughs> how about how the about first some, season how, of Thomas the Train? How about this? How about anything having to do with a train that is $30 and under and you can be as creative as How about a metro card? Like. Don't that could be it. $30 Don't tell metro me. card. Don't tell me. We'll find out and okay. we'll, we'll reveal the grand prize in uh in the feedback show. But okay. a $30 max and it's got to be at least in some way shape or form related to a train. Perfect timing for our anniversary. Yep. Okay. I know I said you getting your ears cleaned out was a great anniversary gift, it. but maybe this can be compounded with that. All right, Emily Fox. <laughs> First prediction for the season finale of Big Little Lies. What do you got? Bonnie dies. Bonnie dies right off the board. Bonnie dies uh, is a pretty dramatic uh, development for the first pick. What if she just goes swimming and that's what this is all about? You know, I know we've been back and forth on this a lot. I don't think Bonnie's going to die. I think that's too extreme. Um, But but okay, Bonnie dies, goes off the board right away. I have two back to back picks. Um, My first prediction is there is going to be uh, some sort of uh, commiseration between uh, between Nathan and Ed. I think we're going to get a a, a Nathan and Ed scene. What a boring prediction. It's a boring prediction. (laughs) That is safe. And and I'll add to it that I think that it is going to be uh, the worst scene of the What if Ed and Nathan decide they need to sleep together in order to like rectify their marriages? I mean that would that kind of spouse swap. That would be interesting. I don't I don't (laughs) expect that that is what's going to happen. You've been in my diary for so long. All right, so I'm going to pick that as number one that there's going to be some sort of really terrible Ed and Nathan scene where they're like you're not so bad. Uh, maybe you're not so bad. Or maybe it won't even be articulated like that, but there's going to be like okay. some measure of right. peace between the two. Okay. So now that's my first pick and I get a second prediction pick. Okay. okay. My second prediction is Renata, much like 11 towards Mike Wheeler, is going to dump Gordon's ass. I think that there is going to be a divorce. I think it's going to be, the, I think it's going to be the end of the era for Renata and Gordon in the season finale. Okay. Okay, Renata and Gordon break up. That's what I'm that's what I'm putting on on the on the docket. Okay. Okay. What do you think? I do you think, think do you think that I'm right? Do you think I got a point there? Yeah, probably. How do you think I'm doing so far? Well, you spelled Gordon wrong. Well, but yeah, well, other I'm than just that, trying to type it really right. quickly. Just like to, I don't want <laughs> you can hear the typing probably in the podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to just do it. Don't talk about the note taking on here. <laughs> Leave the annotation process out of it. Okay. Gosh. All right. My next we'll put the recording space around so you can see my business this is terrible. It's terrible news. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. My prediction it. is Mary Louise will not get custody of the twins. Okay. That's a good prediction. Okay. And I'm going to type it out, everybody, so you'll hear it. Mary Louise. Mary Louise, which I've spelled <laughs> Mary Louise, apparently, is not getting custody of the children okay marked down i like that i think that you've got a point on the board i'm hoping that you only have one so far but i think you've got one on the board i think that that's a pretty clean prediction okay Um, third and final so no pressure but this is your big one what if jane moves away with ziggy oh sad clown i think that's a good prediction Right. Oh, I like that. Jane Jane moves away with Ziggy. Okay. She's like, I can't be friends with I've you bitches that. anymore. Uh yeah. She's like, This place is too crazy and I just can't be here. Yeah. Also, Corey is weird and I need to leave Corey. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, your turn. One final one. One final prediction. Uh okay. Hmm. We will find out that. Perry's brother's death is indeed Mary Louise's fault. All right. Mary Louise will be responsible. Uh, she, Mary Louise, 
Let me try and type this out cleanly. Was responsible. Oh, I said respondable. Was responsible for Perry's brother's n- brother's <laughs> death. There's an N in front of brother n- brother's uh, death. Okay. All right. So to reset, Emily thinks Bonnie is going to die, that Mary Lapuise is not getting custody of the children, and that Jane will move away with Ziggy. My first prediction, I didn't even finish typing out, but I remember, is that Ed there's going to be... N. The Ed plus N. that there's going to be an Ed and Nathan reconciliation, uh, and it's going to be terrible and boring. Uh, Renata and Gordon, or Gordom, as I wrote, uh, they are uh, they're going to go to Splitsville. They're going to Splitski. And we're going to find out that Mary Louise is responsible for uh, Perry's brother's death. Uh, I can't believe we didn't even weigh in on, uh, will Ed and Madeline make it? Yes or no? Uh, probably. Yeah, I wish I could like take it. As, as a tiebreaker, how about this as a tiebreaker? I'll just say no. I'll say no. As Fine. a tiebreaker. So this is the tiebreaker. If we both draw three or an even score. I can't wait to take the subway <sighs> with $30. That's not necessarily what I'm going to get you. You don't get to dictate what I get for you. I have to get you a thirty, an up to $30 gift that has something to do with a train. I could get very creative with this, Emily. You just never know. Mm. Uh, not good. not particularly excited you should based be, on your you should be excited. of knickknacks. You should be excited for me to lose. I've got some great ideas if I lose. <laughs> I've got some very good ideas that we'll reveal in the in the wrap-up right. feedback show at the end of the season. Just two more episodes of the Big Little Lies podcast and one episode left of Big Little Lies season Itself, two yeah. and very likely one episode left of Big Little Lies overall. Your feedback for next week. We want it. Postshowrecaps.com <laughs> slash feedback is our feedback form. You can tweet at us at postshowrecaps. I'm at Round Howard. Emily is at Emilet. Uh, subscribe to what we are doing here on Post Show Recaps. However, you subscribe to your podcast, you can also subscribe to our Big Little Lies only feed. PostShowRecaps.com slash Big Little Lies. Your ratings, your reviews, all of that greatly appreciated. Uh, next week's episode, the season finale, Emily, it's called I Want to Know. I Want to Know. I Want to Know What Love Is. Maybe. It's possible. Uh, I. How about that's a prediction? What if that song <laughs> no, is played? No, we've already done. We've done all the predicting, well, guys. That can be we've like an all, off the record prediction. All the predicting. Just let me. All right. Like, well, you know. look. Yeah, you get like uh, forty double dollars if you uh, if you do that. That's eighty. That's eighty bucks. Forty double dollars. Yeah, you double up. Shake the 40 two halves of twenties. Yeah, shake two halves of. <laughs> shakes, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I try to get a Lonely Island quote in somewhere every time. Uh, how about this? Do you have a prediction for? We could tack this on for what's the final image of Big Little Lies going to be? Crashing wave. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. So <laughs> some sort of some sort of ocean shenanigans will occur. There will be something with water or the sky and like a really like a crazy rock. piano interval just playing over. Over and over again, no, repetitively, or like some sort of like uh, some sweet acoustic version of the theme song, or the or the piano stuff. Chloe plays her iPod. That'd be great. Yeah, well, only once. Yeah, poor it's Chloe. A, she's got like no role in this. That's all right. And poor everybody. Right. I mean, we're all we're all doing great. Okay. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all I've got. Well. Well, see you later. See you later. All right, we'll be back, we'll be back <laughs> next week, uh, wrapping up the Big Little Lies season two uh, series itself. But uh, two more podcasts uh, still to come, and then uh, more podcasting from Emily and I because we can't we can't get enough of you all. This has just been too too much fun. We're having a great time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.